Welcome back to the Charged Up Show. In this episode, we were able to talk to Adam Brewbreaker, who just signed in the AHL and was the captain of the RIT NCAA team. This episode was brought to you by Holistic Hockey. Holistic Hockey offers high-end, on-ice skill development, including development with skating, stick handling, and shooting. If you are looking to gain an edge this summer, call or text Tyler Ertl at 509-501-2971. Hope you enjoy this episode. Please welcome former RIT captain, recently signed in the AHL with the New York Islanders, Adam Brubaker. How's it going, man? Good, thanks for having me. So let's just talk about, we're going to get in deeper, into deeper, but um, how awesome is it to be signed professionally, uh, especially with the New York Islanders? It's nice. It's a good feeling, especially uh, with our season ending at uh, college. Short because of COVID, it was kind of uh, up in the air as to what what was going to happen professionally after that. So it was nice to get a deal done uh, early in the summer and know where I'm going to end up come the come the fall. Yeah, it's awesome. how how has the training been for you mentally? Obviously, you know, uh, obviously you guys were cut short and it's starting late and like they're throwing saying December or whatever. But how has it been for you mentally to deal with such a long off season? It's you don't really know know when you're going to start up again and kind of before they announced uh, December 4th is the new start date it was just kind of just training and then determining when I when I'd go back on the ice again so now it's kind of uh kind of another in training obviously the longest off season I've ever had so it'll be nice to uh to get some extra work in and definitely get some extra work in on the ice uh, September October coming up and I'm sure it's also good to have that security, right, of knowing you you have somewhere to go afterwards. Yeah, yeah it's definitely nice. And when our season ended, it was almost up in the air as to what was going to happen after that. So uh, obviously you couldn't go on and play professionally after your college season ended because all the professional leagues were yeah, either canceled or postponed. So I uh, didn't really know what was going to happen, but it is nice to know uh, that I kind of have a, a spot to go uh, earn a spot at training camp. So. Uh, it'll be nice to to finally get that uh, that date come around and uh, be able to compete. Exactly. So we'll jump back right as we do. I don't know if you listened to the podcast or not or checked it out a little bit. And we always start start from when they were younger. So let's get right into it. Obviously, um, I said before I never played AAA, and I, I think it's really cool to have someone like you who never played AAA their whole life. And, and we've talked about it before on this podcast with a couple of our guests who who didn't, who weren't the stars their whole life, right? And weren't the AAA players. And it's so cool to see you now signing uh, professionally. Um, so talk about your minor hockey. Um, yeah, just talk about minor hockey maybe. Um, talk to some people who, I'm not saying it's not, but a lot of people think it's AAA or nothing. Uh, so maybe say your opinion on that and what your minor hockey experience was like. Yeah, so I grew up in uh, Elmira playing for Woolwich. Uh, all through my life. So I played, uh, I think it was up to minor Bantam. And then I skipped a year and played, uh, played minor midget with uh, an older age group at that point, which was, I think it was definitely beneficial for me. And then uh, after that went on and played my first year junior, but uh, like you said, never played triple a growing up. Uh, I think I got cut, maybe tried out twice for Waterloo and didn't make it, it was one of the last cuts there. So obviously kind of discouraged and uh, realizing that um, maybe, uh, maybe, triple a wasn't for me so just kind of still grinding you know in single a but then uh, definitely see myself as a late bloomer and uh, i think that's obviously 
becoming more apparent now that kids uh, may not make it in AAA and and even in junior too, you may not bloom till uh, 17, 18, 19 year old year. So uh, I think it's definitely still an option now. And uh, I think it's good to see guys like you and myself that uh, may not ever play AAA, but still uh, still can make it far in hockey. For sure, yeah. So now you you kind of are in the same kind of boat as Matthew. You both kind of started out um, playing in air as well. And uh, so what was kind I of your playing in air? Oh yeah, next year, next year, going to air. But uh, what was kind of your decision kind of making your move to junior C and what was your mindset like at that time? I think it was uh, I either had the option to go play play midget uh, or major midget at that point with my own age group uh, okay. or go on and play play junior. And I was thinking kind of, well, do I want to play with kids my own age or would it be better for me to play with guys that are uh, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20? So guys that could be four or five years older than me. And thinking yeah. about my development at that point so that was kind of a an easy, easy decision for me at the, at that point junior c was still kind of maybe looked down upon as more of a, more of a rough league more of a kind of grinder league but i think it was still great to uh, to play with those older guys and kind of prepare myself for uh, my my latter years of junior yeah now were you uh like i said i was in i obviously am nowhere where near where you are now but i was in the exact same boat as you were and uh coming out of double a and were you kind of just like done i don't want to say done but you were ready to move on from minor hockey and obviously you said triple a wasn't necessarily for you were you just ready to move on and play against older competition and junior such a different ball game was that like i just want to pick your brain on your decision because that is a big thing and some people think major midget is better some people think junior c is better so was, was you kind of done with the minor hockey yeah i think so i think that was the big the big decision for me was just playing against older guys and obviously there's still going to be some good good teams in, in minor midget or major midget whatever year you are um but but for me it was playing against those maybe 20 year old old guys that, that are going to be more uh, physically mature and obviously going to be tougher to play against so that was kind of my decision and I, I think it was a good one at the time and I think we're seeing a lot more kids do that now uh maybe junior c or even junior b jumping right into it uh, which I think is really good to see it's also interesting hearing that a junior B or Air is moving to junior B now. That's where Matt's playing next year. Um, but it's not not junior C anymore, right? Yeah, yeah. It's nice to see. I obviously played. I played there when they were still uh, their last year of junior D. I think so. Oh wow! Uh, it's oh, nice really? to see. It's nice to see them come up uh, through the ranks now. And obviously, they have a they have a really nice arena there, and obviously a great fan base. So I think they'll do well in, in junior B now. Awesome. Yeah. And we no, we got to talk about. I you played there in junior D. Yeah, I think that was the last, the last year they were junior D. Hmm. Wow. So what was the hockey like there? Like obviously, like I'm, um, I'm not frowning upon it at all. But I'm sure there's a lot of people who were like, why would you go play junior D instead of playing major, major, triple A? That's an even, I'd say, I don't want to say frowned upon, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Even then going junior D. Yeah, I think that's that was definitely a question at the time, and uh, like I mentioned, it was it was obviously seen as more of a, a gritty league, and maybe maybe even more back in the day, more fighting and and that kind of thing. But obviously, you did have some some gritty teams there. So uh, playing against some older guys, it was it was fun and it, and it was challenging, and I think it was the best for my development at the time. Yeah. So this kind of that segues right into this next question I had. So what were like the challenges back then? um 
that you you had come across to kind of make you the player that you are today? Like, would you say that kind of stemmed from playing in air? And junior B too. Junior like both yeah. and when you played. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think that first year in in junior D, uh, playing as a sixteen year old against, I think you could have as many twenty one year olds as you wanted back then so so teams would kind of stack up on 21 year olds so obviously that that physical physical aspect that was obviously kind of underdeveloped compared to those older guys so that was probably one of the biggest challenges and then moving to junior b uh, i kind of started to started to find my game more i'd say uh, definitely definitely a late bloomer uh, in regards to that maybe first year junior second year junior started to really really come together so uh, probably main challenges there were uh, just kind of the speed of the game, working up to it, and then uh, even moving on to my final year junior in the BCHL, uh, just kind of adjusting to the speed of things, and then obviously getting adjusted and having really good years. Yeah, fair enough. And following yeah, that, you so played. Cool. Following that, you ahead, played Keith. three years in Elmira. How much did that help develop you as well? And what was that experience like? Yeah, I think it was great. Elmira is probably one of the top top junior organizations in the GOJHL, so. Obviously, great to play in my hometown. Growing up there, watching games, playing the playing mini sticks in the old Elmira Arena before they had the new one. So uh, it's great to to finally have that dream kind of come true of playing in my hometown. And uh, I think it was great for my development, just uh, being on the ice every day, uh, having good coaches and general managers that uh, that put me in good positions and uh, gave me good connections uh, for for OHL camps and then for eventually colleges and. Uh, eventually actually in the bchl going moving out there so uh, i think it was a great spot to develop and a great place to play junior you you really were a late bloomer point wise you went from 13 to 45 points from your first season as, as a defenseman too yeah. which is quite the number so the next thing i want i'm interested in is when when were you obviously i'm not sure if when you're playing minor midget a in Elmira, you're thinking I want an NCAA scholarship. Like, when did that come? Oh, I might have shot an NCAA scholarship, and I need to get to a different league to pursue that. I didn't really think about about college hockey till maybe my my second year in Elmira. We had a pretty good team. Uh, we actually had two guys commit out of Elmira, one to Cornell and one to Maine. Uh, and before that, uh, I wasn't really thinking about it too much. And I, I was talking to Cornell a little bit during that season, but nothing, nothing really materialized. And then uh, my third year in Elmira had a really good team and went on and, and won the cherry cup. And then I kind of realized that uh, maybe, maybe junior B kind of had, it was, it was all that I, it was all that was offered to me at that point. And kind of, I, I felt like I was kind of exhausting my options in junior B kind of obviously had a year point wise, good year with the team. And, kind of realized that I needed to do something else, get to the, the next level uh, to, to get a, a commitment from schools and uh, realized that the BCHL was probably one of the top junior leagues in Canada. And obviously you see the, the amount of commitments that come out of there. So wanted to move on to maybe what was seen as a better, a better junior league at the time, moving away from home. And uh, I think it was a great decision for me. Yeah, that's a huge step to take. What was your what was your experience like living in BC and playing in BC? That's a huge as you said, it's a huge jump from playing here all the way across the country, but what did you have a good experience with that? Yeah, it was good. It was the first time I was away from home, so I 
kind of a new experience in that way, living with billet families and uh, obviously having a billet brother on the team. So uh, we had some great times out there. I was in uh, Prince George to start, which is really, really far up north. And uh, it was obviously a tough commute. We had, uh, it was seven hours uh, to our closest team in our division. So we were, wow. we were playing every weekend and probably twice during the week. So we had a sleeper bus up there and slept uh, 11 bunks. So that was obviously a tough road trip every weekend, at least seven hours. Our longest was 14, 15 to uh, Wenatchee in Washington. So uh, it was fun, but it was it was tiring up there too. That's, that's what I was going to ask you. So Keith and Nathan, if you look, you could just look at BC. You search up the BCHL map. It is every team. But BC's big, right? So you're still traveling. Yeah. I don't know. Like you're still traveling a bunch, but it's all the teams within a four or five hour radius, maybe. And then Prince George is just way up there. <laughs> and then uh, like, and then I got traded you to guys were... the uh to the Powell River team. So that's uh that's on the Vancouver Island, but then actually another island. So you had to take two two ferries to get there from Vancouver. So kind of one remote place to the next. Wow. So are you guys ferrying to your games then? Yeah, in uh, in Powell River, you had to take one ferry to get to Vancouver Island. So there was, uh, I think there was three teams on the island, and then you'd have to take another ferry from Vancouver Island to the mainland in Vancouver, and then bus from there. Wow, uh, that's like with like your teammates, kind of, I don't know, like kind of whole mojo, like mindset of getting ready for a game, or like did you play like the same day as you traveled? we'd always travel the day before which was nice but still it's at yeah. least seven hours that day you're, you're busing and uh obviously it's tough because junior you're probably three games in three days so you're you're busing there the day before you'll play uh you probably wouldn't play the team back to back so you play drive play drive play the next spot and then drive home again that night so you'd always get in maybe 7 a.m in the morning which wow. was tough i don't think i could do that like nate and keith you guys think uh I, I do too. You think of bus rides? Yeah, we're taking a bus to our game in Windsor or whatever, right? Let's go. <laughs> but when you're going like seven to fifteen hours every weekend or every other weekend, that would suck. Like I don't think I could have done that. Yeah, it was tough. It was definitely challenging, especially in Prince George. And it was kind of always nice when we had home games because that meant uh, those teams were at least busing seven eight hours and they didn't have a sleeper bus. So uh, sometimes we get sometimes we'd get their bus legs and sometimes we weren't too good either. Would what, that have an effect, well, do you was, think? Like the all the traveling did that? I'm sure you guys eventually got used to it, but at, can you tell at the beginning it was a, it was hard on you? Yeah, yeah, it was definitely tough at the beginning. I think we played an exhibition game, uh, maybe against a team that was like six hours away, and that would have been the first time that I'd ever done that. So we drove in the morning, <laughs> stopped for lunch somewhere, kept driving, and then you'd get there at like five five o'clock and the game was at seven so you literally hop, hop off the bus and you go play uh, and that was the first time i've ever done that so that was tough to adjust to yeah i could expect that's nuts yeah yeah what, what was it like living in actual bc and like bc is probably the nicest place in canada and a lot of people go out there never want to come back like uh, did, did you love living out there yeah it was really nice especially when you get to go uh we obviously had some time up up north and in, in prince george hang out with the team so you kind of do some hikes or even get to go play golf there's definitely some nice scenic courses up there uh, and then when you'd go down and drive to vancouver there's obviously some nice places downtown there and then and then the island too so it's kind of nice to see uh 
see kind of all three parts of, of BC, which was which was really nice living out there. Did you get surfing at all? No, we didn't actually. We oh. were. Uh, I, th- I think one of our coaches might have actually. He didn't take the bus home. He went surfing with uh, mm-hmm. with his family or something or some buddies one day when we were on the island and and coming back from a trip. You got it. Cool. You got to go surfing when you're out there. <laughs> Not that I've ever done it. I would. Not that I, I would totally do it. I would totally do it. Yeah, apparently it's awesome. And then so, you didn't okay. have too much time to go sightseeing out there when I was playing. So that is just yeah, go back there one day. Half of your time there, that was not a lot of time. Yeah. Uh, so like enough of the BC. Um, we want to hear your NCAA commitment story before we hop into RIT, and we ask this to every every NCAA athlete, and I don't think any of them are disappointed. Um, so the expectations are high. My commitment story. Uh, uh, so I was playing out in Prince George and then, uh, kind of, we mutually agreed on a trade because we weren't going to make playoffs. And I was obviously in my last year junior, so it didn't really make sense for me to stay, stay with the team. So I obviously got traded to a, uh, a playoff potential team. So I went to, to Powell river at the deadline. And then maybe two weeks after I got traded there, uh, I had uh, one of the assistant coaches from RIT come down and, and watch a game and. He talked to me after the game and immediately offered me a, a spot at RIT. And I hadn't really, really heard of RIT too much. So uh, I got my dad to go down and, and watch a game. So we we're only about three and a half hours there from Ontario. And uh, he, he sent me some videos of the of the game and kind of the arena and the rink and the dressing room and, and the school. And uh, I was kind of shocked. And it was, it was definitely run like a little pro organization. And uh, I thought uh, that was definitely going to be the spot for me. It was a brand new arena, maybe two years old, and uh, it was so nice and probably one of the nicest rinks I've ever saw. So uh, I couldn't turn that down and then committed uh, the next day. Wow. Was it a, a hard adjustment for you from going from junior? Or did you did you find you felt it a, an easier adjustment? I think it's just a, a different type of game. Obviously, you have – uh, in junior, those 16 to 20 year old guys, and then college, it's 18 to 24, 25 guys could be that age. So again, it's a jump of physical maturity, and and obviously you see the speed increase, and it's just a different type of game, and and you'll see it different than the NHL too. College is kind of like go 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 all the time. It's like dump and chase all the time, and in the NHL, it's kind of more controlled. So. Uh, it was kind of tough to adjust to that college game, but then once you get a few games under your belt, uh, it was definitely a, a good a good choice for me, and I, I adjusted well. It seems like you adjusted adjusted well on the point sheet for sure. Twenty three <laughs> points in your rookie season, but I remember you definitely don't remember this. But um, uh, last summer, I asked you just like, "What's it like?" Like I just want to know. Every time I hear someone plays in the NCAA. I just want to know what it's like. And all you said to me was it's, it's really, really fast. Yeah. yeah um, it's definitely like, a fast game. There's no, like there's no downtime. You always talk about like controlled breakouts and stuff you'll see in the NHL, but you hardly have any of those in college. Which like if, if a puck goes in the end, guys will change and then go right in after you. So you have no time and space in college, I'd say. Um, what's it like kind of on the ice and off? off the ice for a, a D1 college athlete? Like, obviously, being in the States, like, how was it kind of adjusting 
to your whereabouts and how did you overall kind of a day in the life kind of thing yeah take your day in the life day in the life so probably early on and kind of like freshman sophomore year your first two years you'd probably have class in the morning uh usually 8 a.m till till 11 a.m maybe even 12 till one Uh, and then we always had practice at uh, two o'clock so you'd kind of end class at one get to the rink one one o'clock I uh, usually do kind of a warm-up type deal, stretch. And then you'd sometimes you'd be on – well, we'd have the ice. We'd go on the ice around 2 o'clock, and then you'd kind of do uh, do your specific uh, specific training. So we do a lot of D stuff beforehand. Forward just kind of work at the other end, um, doing their forward things. Uh, and then we'd have practice for probably two hours. And then three of the, four, three of the five days, you'd, uh, you'd work out right after – uh, and then you might be going to class back again at, at five thirty six till till nine if you had a night class. So uh, it's definitely definitely a challenging thing to uh, to adjust to and kind of uh, you definitely test your time management. Uh, you could be at the at the rink and at school all day, so uh, tough to make dinners and things. So uh, that was kind of kind of tough as well. You you're kind of away from home for the first time, so uh, you didn't have mom or dad making you dinner, which was which was tough and uh, definitely hard to juggle. That's definitely like really sounds really busy. Did you did you find it tough as a per like just being a person like that's like being you feel like you're getting tugged at every which way, right? Just because you're constantly doing something. Yeah, it was it was definitely hard to juggle uh, social life, kind of hockey and school at the same time, uh, in between making meals for yourself and and all that stuff of just just living life too so uh it's definitely a tough thing to adjust to but also some of the greatest times uh times you'd have uh with some of your teammates and and obviously there's times at the start of the year and at the end of the year where where hockey's done obviously college hockey it's only a 35 game game season 36 game season plus playoffs after that so uh there's still lots of time at the end of the season where you're just working out maybe not on the ice as much but still can enjoy that time with your your teammates yeah it's always good to have that balance so that's great what uh this is just as specific is what was your most memorable game in your four years i think probably uh probably my first homecoming game so our uh, our school our school arena would seat maybe 4500 but for homecoming, we'd always go down to the AHL rink where the uh, Rochester Americans play, and we play there. Yeah. So every year that I was there, and uh, probably many years before this, it's always a tradition. They'd always sell it out. So that's uh, over uh, 10,000 people, probably close to 11,000 people packed that arena. So uh, it's a pretty cool cool game to be a part of. Uh, I can send you a photo of, of one of the games. I think it'd be pretty cool to see. Oh, yeah, send like it us for our post. Yeah. yeah, I can send you the photo. and. Uh, that was probably one of the loudest games I've ever been in. I think we were tied with Northeastern, maybe like five minutes left in the third period, and you couldn't even hear the refs whistle. It was so loud. So that was probably one of the coolest games I'd ever been a part of, and uh, that I'll, I'll always cherish. That's awesome. And you were also named captain the following or a few years after that. That was uh, that must have been a pretty big accomplishment too. Yeah, it was, it was nice to be. Uh, be recognized for that uh, that accolade so uh obviously nice to see myself as a, a leader on the team and be be recognized by the coaches and, uh, and my fellow players so uh nice to have that going into my final season 
Yeah, it's always interesting to kind of ask people in that position that were captains, like, did you find that you, um, like, like you just said, that relationship with the coaches, like, did you find you have to, I guess it's obvious, like, act differently, but did you kind of find it taking a toll on you? Like, you have to, like, do certain jobs, or was there, was there any challenges like that being in I that position? find it too challenging, but it's obviously tough to juggle kind of communicating with uh, with your teammates and then communicating with your coaches and obviously trying to have the best interests of both guys or uh, both parties on board. So that was kind of one of the challenging things that I that I found my final year. And obviously you want to you want to have your teammates uh, kind of backs and be the voice for them. But uh, but then at the same way, you want to uh, kind of be good for the coaches as well. So that's obviously kind of a juggling act that you have to you have to do. Yeah. I think Nathan, Nathan's kind of stemming too is from we we're on a streak of NCAA captains all of a sudden. We just had Adam Brady, Adam Brady on last weekend from the Bed Bedjin did Bed did Yeah. He told me how to pronounce it too. I still gotta do it. And he said sometimes it's, it is challenging when you're in college because sometimes like you said, that crazy busy schedule, sometimes yeah. guys don't and you have to decide do I want to ask the coach that like to get us the ice time do I not and that's I think that's where it kind of needs coming from sometimes um it's hard for you guys to do that yeah no it's definitely tough and I think it, it just gets exemplified in college too when you have to you're not just dealing about solely hockey you're dealing about school too and and social life so that's that's a challenge and I think too uh something Matt I know Matt really wanted to get at too was being being a free agent after college and finding a team behind the scenes and deciding on the NYI that's what was that whole experience and how how did that take toll on you so I actually went to the uh the Vancouver develop uh Canucks development camp after my first year so uh, that was a great experience there, and obviously nice to get uh, get recognized for kind of my accomplishments on the ice and see that see that those things are paying off. And then after my second year, I went to the Islanders camp, and then my third year I went back to the Islanders as well. So obviously had a, a good relationship with them and their scouts and seen me playing for the last two three years. So uh, it was kind of a I thought a good spot to uh, to look into and, and keep communicating with. So obviously we talked throughout my senior year, and then. Uh, uh, nice to, to have a decision after the end of the season. So I think a good spot because they knew me from those past development camps and kind of knew my game. And, and also I knew them as well. So I kind of knew, knew, uh, knew what they offered and, and what they thought about me as a player. So nice to, nice to go to a spot that uh, you feel welcomed and feel like you can fit in. Yeah. What, what's all, um, I guess it's kind of uh, changed because you've been to two camps um, and three, three total two two with New York and, uh, is that an even bigger shock going to those camps than jumping into the I think NCAA? Like, is that- I think it's nice just to see kind of what what NHL players go through and, and kind of their daily grind. Obviously, it's different than college. They don't have to worry about school or anything, but it's it's totally focused on hockey, which is, which is nice, but also a, a separate challenge in itself. So it's kind of nice to see what it takes to get to that next level and, and see guys that are – uh, that are first round draft picks, you know, uh, obviously playing with some, some pretty good guys at those camps, Pedersen, uh, Wallstrom for, for the Islanders, Pedersen for uh, Vancouver. So seeing where those guys are now and seeing, uh, 
how you compare and stack up to those guys during camp. It's nice, uh, nice to see and nice to see what you have to work on from that standpoint. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Now the last thing is, is uh, who you ask this to most people is, what do you need to do? What are you focusing on to be able to be to be able to earn your spot on the team and then uh, be effective and hopefully playing in NHL eventually? I think I've always seen seen the ice really well, but one of my one of my areas that I'm always trying to improve on is my skating and uh, skating ability, quickness of feet, that kind of thing. And I think the game's going in that direction now. We see it all the time with with forwards and especially D-men now. It's uh, if you can skate, you're going to be re- in a really good spot uh, uh, to be able to find a spot on on one of those rosters in the AHL or NHL, wherever it may be. So. Uh, that's always one of the things that I'm trying to improve upon. And uh, I think if I can do that, I'll have a really good shot. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on and we're all rooting for you. Charge up show. And we hope, we hope you're able to play. Uh, hopefully the season gets going and hopefully you have a good season. Yeah. Thanks for having me on boys. Thank yeah. you.